0: Austin Found is sponsored by the LBJ Presidential Library. Listen to the library's new podcast With the Bark Off, conversations from the LBJ Presidential Library. Candid and revealing episodes will be added each week. Subscribe for free in your preferred podcast app. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm J.B. Hager from the Austin American Statesman. And I'm Michael Barnes. Also from the Austin American Statesman. That's right. It's <laughs> You a lot longer than me. Yes, 30 years. <laughs> Today we're going to talk more restaurants. People do love reminiscing oh, about Austin restaurants. Old
1: diners, old restaurants, people uh, that since memories stay with them for decades. And you're going to be surprised at how
0: many of these... Have been around for 45 years now. That's true. Which in restaurant world is a very, very long time. Man, that's a fickle business, right? Yeah. And so you're going to recognize a lot of these names, and I have questions about some that I did not recognize. Uh, you you took a snapshot of what the restaurant scene was like in Austin 45 years ago.
1: That's right, because I did a story on three of the restaurants that had survived. And it was Fonda San Miguel, uh, Thundercloud Subs, and County Line, the barbecue joint. And they had all had the same anniversary. Mm -hmm. They all opened in the same year. So I sat down with the owners and managers and, and just let them talk. Then I thought, well, another story would be what else was going on then, what other restaurants were in town 45 years ago.
0: First, let's talk about those. Those ones you just mentioned, I had no idea Fonda San Miguel had been around that long, and it's
1: it's still like a special treat place to go. Exactly, exactly, and it it was the first to really popularize interior Mexican cuisine, and it was based on you know the the great work of the cookbooker uh, uh, Diana Kennedy, Mm -hmm. who popularized interior Mexican cuisine in this country. Uh, in,
0: in a city of Tex-Mex.
1: It, in a city of Tex-Mex. It's a nugget, it right? was. Now it's harder to find the Tex-Mex, Right. you know, it, it, it used to be that that was the only interior Mexican mm-hmm. practically. I love that it. it's it's right off kind of Hancock and 51st. Somewhere right, right there.
0: Right around there. Uh, and... You can drive by it a thousand
1: times and not know it's there yes, unless exactly. you've gone in there. It's just well hidden. It it's fe- very quiet. It's like a lot of Mediterranean architecture in that it's all on the inside. Yeah, You know, everything. The outside is just a, kind of looks like a, a castle, but the inside is, is bursting with color and design. It's, it's like stepping into somewhere special. It is. Right? And the food's excellent. And in County Line, where both of them? Opened in the 70s? Uh, I do know that, that the the first one was, at least. Yeah. And they were both in West Austin, in areas that had pretty much been places where you went to avoid the rest of the city. Right. <laughs> and so, And it was uh, way out there then, it was way right? out there. Both of them were. And they've become uh, absolutely the, the most favorite spots for some people, the, the regulars that go there and... And have the same thing every time and love it every time. Now, the one in particular that's uh,
0: off of 360 and 2222, you, it's almost bizarre how you're right off the water.
1: Right, right. Because
0: <laughs> that's Bull Creek feeding down right, into that's bull, The mouth of Lake Bull Creek
1: is right there, yeah.
0: That canal actually comes up right up to it. It's, right. It's pretty cool. It's a hidden gem if you haven't done that. And thundercloud subs <laughs> is funny because that's a couple hippies yes. that – didn't really know what
1: they had on their hands did they no and certainly they didn't know they would go to something like 29 locations and it's just one of those things that that caught on with people who had the munchies and wanted something filling and they're they're good po boys but they are uh, or subs i guess but they remain popular
0: there's a tie in with thundercloud too that connects to our music scene they have employed so many musicians in 40-some years.
1: Absolutely. That's exactly the kind of person you find behind the counter. Right?
0: (laughs) I've always had a theory with Thundercloud. If you hear a song that you don't know playing, Mm -hmm. it's one of the sandwich makers' (laughs) bands. Oh, yeah. That (laughs) makes sense. It's somebody that works there. It's It's their their band. I almost guarantee you. But, yeah, that's something we're, we're pretty proud of around here. During that time, you pointed out that,
1: Texas-themed restaurants were a thing. Oh yes, you no, know, everything. Uh, I, it, one of the top t- types of restaurant were things that that just shouted ranch or steak or <laughs> you know anything about the Wild West. You
0: mentioned Big Wheel, Big Texas, Old Texas Trail, Branding Iron, and of course the Broken Spoke. And yeah, the Broken Spoke, which still stands yeah, barely yes, it does, yeah, <laughs> still there. That was a very common thing, and the Nighthawk, which we've talked about on uh, yes. previous podcasts, it being
1: very significant, being the first significant, being the first integrated, one restaurant. of the very very first. I would say that probably Green Pastures preceded it, mm-hmm. but but it, it certainly uh, was integrated behind it, in front of the counter, and later Harry Aiken, who owned them. Became the mayor in the '60s and was, for that time, a progressive mayor, especially on the on the subject of race. And you just mentioned green
0: pastures. I didn't realize it went back that far to the oh, '70s. Yeah.
1: What it actually goes back to the '40s. Oh wow! And uh, they started serving there. Now, there's a question: Is when they started charging for it? <laughs> mm. <laughs> because it was always a gracious mansion that you went to for parties and stuff like that in the the 30s and 40s but by by the 40s i believe it was an actual restaurant it
0: does have kind of a like gatsby like quality to it for austin doesn't it
1: it does it's beautiful and the food at maddie's which is the new restaurant in the green pastures building and, and land is is excellent for
0: people who haven't been there to that area, and it's now Maddie's, like you said. In it, South Austin, in the Bolton neighborhood. It's hidden. It is, like, hidden totally in a neighborhood. Hidden. And we I can't mention that property without
1: mentioning the controversial Peacocks.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> it,
1: it, it was only controversial to one person. The, uh, <laughs> there is a gentleman that lives on that street who... who uh, doesn't like them, and everybody else does.
0: Right, so. it's part of the neighborhood. It's so, part of the history. So we had signs all over the place saying <laughs> "Save the peacock." You know, peacocks <laughs> are welcome here. <laughs> that kind of fizzled out. A what, five, six years ago? Yeah. Well, Did that, that guy calm down? <laughs> no, no,
1: because <laughs> they're loud, right? Peacocks are loud, and 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 they, you you honestly don't really want to live right next to one. So, but <laughs> and there are several there, so. But they're gorgeous, and uh, you can find them all over the neighborhood too. They they don't just stay there at, at, at uh, Green Bastards. They just roam the neighborhood.
0: That's right. a, that's part of the
1: the charm of Bolden. Uh, let's talk about the Tex Mex scene
0: going back forty five oh, years yeah. ago because one of those I've been to, or two of them I've been I've been to, and one still exists, uh, Matt's El Rancho.
1: Well, two of them still exist. El Patio. So oh, El Patio's c- it closed and then they're opened that's it right. back up. That's, yeah. Yeah. That one's the one that's 65 years old. For, yeah, for reference,
0: it's you know, it's 2020, and earlier this year, it was closed. Everybody was sad, and like three days later, we got good news, and everybody celebrated.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the, the owners, the family, uh, Lebanese-American family that owns it, said, you know, we're just going to open it back up. And yeah. So... The other two, Mattel Rancho, mm-hmm. which was located in the southern edge of downtown where the Four Seasons is now. Oh, I didn't know that. Before it moved down to uh, South Lamar. It, you know, it's one of the highest-grossing restaurants in the country. Wow. Yeah. It always has a line out the door. Yeah. Always. And then uh, also El Gallo, which had two locations, and it recently closed. Uh, the family decided to, to develop the land into, uh, uh, I don't know, mixed use development. Uh, and then the family couldn't decide what to do. So I imagine there's some lawyers involved right now. Yeah.
0: And it's, you know, we've touched on that before with the the growth and popularity of Austin and the, and the property values and El Gallo had a a very big footprint, a lot of parking, which puts the hurt on mom and pop restaurants. Right.
1: Because of the property taxes.
0: We have also mentioned in our on our East Avenue episode, you did talk about right. El Matamoros and uh, El Mat, as it was El called. El
1: Mat, as it was called. It was a lot of people's favorite. It was closed by the time I got here, I'm pretty sure, in the 80s. Uh, I don't remember that location being a, a restaurant.
0: And also on Tex-Mex, you mentioned Spanish Village Cafe on Red River. And I was trying to... Think it is that the same as Jaime's Spanish village?
1: Yes, yes, it was right across the street from Stubbs. Okay. It has this kind of the stone, yeah, old stone yeah, architecture. Yeah. I've interviewed people who worked there and it was still going strong, or not strong, it was still going until very recently. Then the gentleman who had that chain restaurants, uh they called them <laughs> And I can't remember his oh, name. Oh, restaurants. Like a, like Hooters is a restaurant, right? Right. right. <laughs> now I can't remember the name of the chain. I interviewed him too, uh, and he took it over and, and it had a really nice restaurant there for a while. And now I think it's just dark.
0: Yeah, and uh, a friend of mine who was Jaime's nephew, mm-hmm. uh, Charlie Thomas, had the difficult decision after Jaime died to close the right. place, and they they've become a sauce company now. Yeah. They have, they've continued yeah, honey sauce yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's doing very well. I,
1: I run into him periodically. You know, L.S. Tech goes back that far. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, we did several big stories when it closed. We can revisit that on in another episode.
0: Austin found is brought to you by the LBJ presidential library. More info at LBJ org. Now the Asian food scene. yes, And, Austin, 45 years ago. The Lung family.
1: The Lung family uh, came here in the late 19th century working on the railroad, a Chinese-American family. They opened uh, a grocery store and then a cafe downtown. It was an American cafe that moved to East 6th Street. And then they opened Lung's Chinese on Red River across from Symphony Square. And they also had uh, a Tex-Mex Group of restaurants, and then later a sandwich chain. I interviewed Joe Lung, and he was a great, great. He has great stories, but he's since passed away. Tokyo Steakhouse on Burnett mm-hmm. is that still around? No, I don't okay. think so. Okay, no, no,
0: that that name has been
1: used many times. That's yeah, yeah. probably why it sounded familiar to me. It was the time when they were beginning to introduce uh, fine dining as a kind of a theatrical experience, mm. and so you would have music at Italian restaurants, or the all the preparation being done at Japanese restaurants, or the Roman. You know, the Roman was a, an Italian restaurant that became a very famous music club. It, it's where Texas French Bread is now. I think they had more Italian places then than we do
0: now. <laughs> no, 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 but I know what you're talking. about. <laughs> I'm not about. talking pizza.
1: No, no these were these were uh, red sauce Italian places, and which you would have all over the north. And then you're absolutely right to say that we don't have as many as many cities. You know, you know, we have friends who live in upstate New York and Binghamton, and just about every restaurant. If it's not. You know, Serbian or Russian, it's it's a red sauce Italian place. And we have very, very few of them. Most of them have gone upscale nowadays. Yeah, I'll throw a few names at you for nostalgic purposes.
0: Uh, Piccolo's, Red Tomato, Ferrari, Italian restaurant. I remember the Red
1: Tomato, yeah. Linzo's, mm. Gondola House, <laughs> and the Rome Inn, as you mentioned. The Rome Inn. That's R-O-M-E, like the city, and then N-I-N-N. And on all of them, tried to outdo each other in claiming to have a authentic Italian atmosphere. The atmosphere was very important; yeah, <laughs> more important than the food.
0: <laughs> now, Austin, I would say, has always struggled in this category: seafood. Yes. Yeah. It's hard to get fresh fish to central Texas.
1: <laughs> well, it was a lot harder before the railroads, but right. we're going way back with that. Right, you know? right. Can you imagine them eating oysters before the railroads? <laughs> right. We did have a big seafood place. that was uh, uh, from the uh, uh, Houston base Christie's chain, and it's right where the Hyatt is, right on the shore, just a few yards from where we are right now recording wow. this, and it uh, had this Big moderners kind of sail like roof. Anybody who ate there remembers the experience. Uh, I want to mention a few other places and maybe fall into different
0: categor- categories. Fork and Flag. Actually, I don't remember that one. <laughs> By Highland Mall. <laughs>
1: oh, a lot of things grew up around Highland Mall.
0: When because Hi- that was brand new at it that was time, was brand right?
1: new in the 70s, and it was considered chic, and it was considered, we have arrived. We have a mall. Having this indoor mall, right? We mm-hmm. have this indoor mall, and so a lot of the restaurateurs opened up in that area. Mm-hmm. Now it would be hard to find something in that area directly around, mm-hmm. uh, despite the fact that it's been beautifully redone as that. that, that and
0: that neighborhood's going through a... a Transition. Renaissance for yeah. sure on Airport Boulevard.
1: Now, yes, if you go further southeast on Airport Boulevard, you you find a lot of uh, yeah. interesting places. Um, but but just right there around the old mall that's now Austin Community College, it's kind of a, a, a desert. Yeah, for good food. The old Vienna and Jefferson Square. Oh, my goodness. You know, how much do we have German restaurants anymore? I don't know of one. I know there's one up in Pflugerville or something. I've been to it. It's kind of out in the country, but. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Uh, well, I I
1: don't think there's a, a German restaurant in Austin in, anymore. In Austin proper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think so either. There used to be one up on I 35 North and uh and i and i think i've been there a couple of had been there a couple of times but it's gone i
0: yeah i remember going there just now it's i'm gonna have to look up the name (laughs) of it because it's gonna drive me crazy because i i did go there up until it closed but it's not gonna come up unless you wrote about it it's probably you that would,
1: (laughs) would come up in a google search right but the listeners will know and they'll tell us you know, as soon as this comes out, I'll get an email saying, you forgot Schultz Garden. You could oh, technically you know, no, say it's like, is it, German. It is German. And and, and now it's run by the, the people who used to run Frank's. So it's it's a lot better than it was for many years. And, of course, it's our oldest restaurant. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember
0: the name of the one on 535. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm going to stop. Somebody write to us. Uh, M. Barnes at com. Send that in to us. <laughs> You know what both of us are going to do. As soon as we leave this, we're going to look it it's, up
1: because that's oh, the kind of thing we do. Oh, it's going to drive me
0: crazy. I can picture it. I can yeah. picture like a blue awning out front uh, right off I-35. Beautiful but, I-35.
1: Well, one of the things <laughs> that I do want to emphasize in, in you know, I got all these out of the yellow pages from from the year the, the, uh, 1978 or whatever. No, I guess that would be 1975. But my impression was that back then something like a Fonda San Miguel or a Jeffrey's was coming into a vacuum, that there wasn't a lot of fine dining. You know, it wasn't great fine dining maybe, but there was fine dining. There were places that served continental cuisine, uh, French cuisine, even, as we pointed out, uh, a, a smattering of Asian cuisine, even in one Vietnamese restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's it's minuscule compared to the incredible variety quality that we have today. But but it wasn't a complete restaurant desert in the 70s. So. I didn't realize Jeffrey's went that far back.
0: Yes. In Clarksville. Yes. And yes. always at that location, right? Yes. Wow. Yes.
1: Yeah, And it's always kind of stayed as a top-tier place. As say? a top-tier place. And of course, it's been taken over by McGuire-Mormon, and we've talked about them (laughs) several times on the show because they have done an amazing job. They've just opened yet another restaurant, a little neighborhood sushi place on South Congress next to Farm to Market and uh, right in that little area. Years and years ago, that was Liberty Pie. Yeah, near Annie Street. Yeah, yeah. And then Liberty Seafood. Hmm. I remember the gimmick of Liberty Seafood. It didn't last long. I it was excellent, excellent. <laughs> um, okay, but what they said was. You decide how we make it and you decide what sauces. And I'm like, oh, I don't no. like that. No, no, no I no, don't no. want to do the work. You, you're you the
0: expert, <laughs> right? <laughs> Remember, you are cooks. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, yes. I don't want that's the yeah. whole point of eating out. Yes. No, <laughs> I'm not going to cook it myself. <laughs> now, of all the uh, snapshot from the mid 70s that you wrote about, the one that intrigued me the most that you'll have to describe for everybody was Villa Capri.
1: Oh, yes. I thought you were gonna say magic time machine. But.
0: Oh yes well well, we'll get to okay, we'll mention magic time machine too but
1: Villa Capri, uh, a Villa Vegas Capri- themed uh, well Vegas or Palm Springs, you know you it, it had this b- the beautiful palms around it and it was like the classic high-end motel with with super modernist kind of even jetsony furniture and decor I would have liked it in its heyday, right you know it's a shame that it, it got torn down because it could have been turned into something that today would be very nostalgic it, right it just fell into disarray and decay uh-huh. and and now it's where uh, so the the listeners today know where the balloon like uh, Longhorn football practice right. <laughs> facility dome, is. If you yeah. want to call it that. Yeah. Okay, yeah,
0: you did. I almost got through this without mentioning Magic Time Machine. Magic Time everyone Machine. Everyone has memories of
1: going there. Oh, yeah. It was on rivers, East Riverside, and it's in a brilliant location, uh, which I think the last thing that was there was a Joe's Crab Shack. Mm-hmm. And right on the lake, right on the lake, it was like going into some – uh, like the Wizard of Oz, the Emerald City, because everything was all decorated in fantasy, and all your waiters were actors who and singers who would come up and they'd have a character they played. And who remembers the food? I don't even remember what they served. <laughs>
0: I, I know <laughs> you went there for like a birthday. It was yeah, always kind of a special yeah. occasion uh, thing. You,
1: you went with with your group to just have a wild time, but it's not. Not remembered. First. And then if so someone
0: like, got up to you, go, use the restroom, they would put together a prank when you came back. I don't and things remember like
1: that, that part. <laughs> maybe they just did that to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe it was just me. And and now I drive by that every day. As, as At the time of this recording, there are dumpsters out there in construction. Vehicles, oh, really? And it's going to be a, hopefully at last, a uh, cider beer house oh. with games. Oh, So, good look. In a great location. Now the boardwalk goes right in front of that. Exactly, It's really incredible. And the
1: the planned pontoon bridge from Waller Creek is supposed to end up over there, near there, I think. Yeah. Uh,
0: One last thing. I, I just had to ask you what it was like opening, and it's brilliant for this research, to open a 1975... Yellow pages. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, yeah. it had to it's be like a trippy. blast from the
0: past. And you had to have an ad in there to, sure. to be noticed. You had sure. to at that time.
1: One of the interesting things, though, is that, that even as late as 1975, they didn't even sometimes give directions or addresses. Or <laughs> they just said, you know, by the lake. What? Everybody knew, like, these are, like, country directions. <laughs> right. Like, you know, you just go by the water tower, and it's right met- down there.
0: I think you mentioned one that just said,
1: call for directions. <laughs> call for
0: directions. <laughs> That's yes. funny. Could you imagine telling your a teenager to uh, to call for directions? Now, They'd right. be like, what? What? My daughter would look at me like I was crazy.
1: Well, what I loved was all of the old-style uh, ad copy and mm-hmm. the little clip art that uh, had not yet become... Camp you know people were you know people this is just the way all ads looked in the paper, right. and in the yellow pages and everywhere else and and then they were uh, uh, to our eyes as silly as they could be. Uh, my father used to do that that 's one of his jobs was oh, to really? come up with that that crazy ad copy and pull out the clip art for for a grocery store flyers, you know. I think my daughter asked me
0: once why as we were driving around why so many businesses were named AAA, AAA, AAA this, <laughs> AA, and I said, "Well, they wanted to be first in the phone book." That's right. And I was she, she looked at me again. She looked at yeah. me like,
1: "What do you mean, first in the phone book? What
0: is a phone book?" <laughs>
1: Why do you talk that way, Daddy? Just...
0: I need to find an old phone book. That's funny. <laughs> and uh, Well, anyhow, that's uh, that, that's great stuff that you dug up to get that snapshot of Austin. If you'd like to comment on the show or suggest something, we are getting a lot of suggestions uh, for future shows, things that you've probably already written about, you typically uh, send an email. Uh, to mbarnes at statesman.com. You can email me, jhager, H-A-G-E-R, at statesman.com, and pick up your copy
1: of Indelible Austin. Indelible Austin, which is a lot of these stories were in my three books called Indelible Austin. They're they're collections of my history columns, and you can get them online, and you can get them at Book People. They have curbside service still, and we're talking, we're still in lockdown when this was recorded. And we're going to have guests on as soon as lockdown is over i know i know we're very anxious
0: to have uh iconic Austinites, people you've written about interview people from every kind of
1: background as long as they can tell a good story thanks for tuning in thanks